CSMOD.com is your one-stop shop for tickets to all live SMOD pods and appearances by your favorite SMODcasters. Babylon with Ralph and Kev at the Hollywood Improv on June 27th. An evening with Kevin Smith at Florida Supercon on the 28th. And Jason Mewes will be at the con all that weekend. Walker's stalker Con Orlando has Ming and Brian from Comic Book Men that same weekend as well. Kev goes solo at Montreal Comic Con on July 3rd. San Diego Comic Con weekend. Babylon at the House of Blues on July 11th. Has tickets available then back at the Hollywood Improv on July 17th. July 31st, Babel at the Hollywood Improv. Looking ahead to August, Kev goes solo at Caroline's on Broadway in New York City on August 3rd. Babylon at the Hollywood Improv on August 7th. Kevin Jay, along with Mike and Ming, are at Fandom Fest in Louisville, Kentucky on August 8th. Two of the three Kev solo shows at the Atlanta Improv are sold out, but tickets are still available for the August 10th show. Looking ahead, Babylon in Hollywood on August 14th and 21st. Windsor, Ontario gets Kev at the Windsor Comic Con on August 15th, while his solo show at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Fran on August 23rd is sold out. But Edumacation with Kevin Andy still has some tickets left for that date. An evening with Kevin Smith, August 27th at the Houston Improv, the next night in Dallas at the Texas Theater. August 29th, Babylon at the Empire Theater in San Antonio. September 4th through 6th, Jason Muse hits up Wizard World San Jose. Get old and Q&A with Kev embark on the Jersey Boys Tour Down Under. September 18th in Sydney, the 19th in Brisbane, the 21st in St. Kilda, Victoria, the 23rd in Torrensville, and September 26th in Perth. Show your love for all the free funny at Smodcast.com by checking out a live Smodco show. Visit csmod.com. Look for a switch that says escape pod. Alright, don't touch anything else. Not interested in anything else. Don't touch anything else. Don't even, don't even look at anything else. Just, well, obviously you've got to look at everything else to, to find an escape pod. But as soon as you look at something and it doesn't say escape pod, look at something else. Look at the next thing. Alright, but don't touch anything else or look at anything. Well, look at other things, but don't. You understand. Now here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett of the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast. What's up? It's episode 28. All the geeky news you can use. My name is Kyle Abair. I'm an anime and video game voice actor on the West Coast. You can now hear me as the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter in Super Smash Brothers, which is available on 3DS and Wii U. And your co-host on the East Coast, other worlds to you. I'm already baked. Well, that that's good. It's appropriate. You know, we're, we're on Smodcast.com. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are are partaking of the wacky tobacco. It's in our contract. It says you want a show on Smodcast, you got to be stoned. <laughs> or at least half of us. Hey, my girlfriend, uh, writer, has a has fibromyalgia. So in the state of California, you know, you just go get checked out by a doc and says, "Hey, I'm in chronic pain." Boom. Again, my biggest issue being in Massachusetts is I could very easily get a card, but there's no dispensaries in the entire state. And I'm not about to smuggle pot across state lines, so I'm going to have to keep doing it on the down low. I'm looking at our chat room, which we launch every Tuesday night at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, when we record our new shows so people can listen in and we can see the live instant pulse of the public, as it were. Cocaine and Whores just said, I have fibro, too. Wink. <laughs> Smiley face. It's like, uh, look at this over, uh, um, overwhelming amount of people that have glaucoma all of a sudden. I have very legitimate medical issues, damn it. Not that I'm opposed to people who go in and fake the fuck out of it. That, that's cool too. It just sucks we all can't be Colorado. Although I just read something, I believe, yesterday 
And if you work for, I think it's the entire Colorado government, um, if you test positive for marijuana, that's grounds for termination, which I think is kind of fucked up. If you live in a state that says, oh, yeah, you can smoke recreationally, and then certain employers are going, well, you know, we can fire you for that. Oh, apology to cocaine and whores. Those aren't two separate things. That's the screen name, cocaine and whores, in our chat. He says, frown face, silly. Oh, yeah, see, I'm blind. I gotta start wearing my fucking glasses. God, I feel old. I turned 46 on, on June 14th, and uh, I feel every bit of it. Every waking moment of every single day. Pain is a reminder that you're still living. If you don't feel the pain anymore, then you should be concerned. And then there's legends in our, our, uh, in our world, in the world of pop culture, that live for 93 years. Christopher Lee. We gotta say R.I.P. to the great Christopher Lee. Left his mark on the universes of Dracula, James Bond, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and even put out a couple heavy metal albums. I hate to sound selfish, but I'm so happy he released, I think it was two um, Christmas singles just this past Christmas. So what's kind of a shame is I don't think a lot of Americans, a lot of younger Americans in particular, know him from the British Hammer films where he established his his uh, very illustrious and long movie career and... Uh, Let's admit it, you know, his his appearances in the Hammer films are head and shoulders above his appearances in the prequel trilogy for Star Wars. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, first of all, if you're named Dooku, your name alone sounds like shit. So, but it's also your chance to leave your mark uh, on the Star Wars universe. Not that he had to. I mean, he's already a legend as it is. And, you know, being in Lord of the Rings, which I consider more like Star Wars for some of today's generation, you know, especially compared to the prequels, but hopefully that'll change with episode seven forward. Now with the internet age are learning shit that, you know, even me and you didn't know about him. It's like, what? He was like a pilot in World War II? He worked for the Secret Cert? What? Yeah, he was like super spy. It was pretty badass. There's this antidote going around about, while for, uh, filming one of the Lord of the Rings movies, uh, Peter Jackson was saying, well, that's not the noise somebody makes when getting stabbed in the back. And Lee stepped up and he was like, no, no, trust me, it is. <laughs> he knows. See, depending on the role, of course, many actors are either really method or they just, you know, try to get in the zone. I'm thinking Christopher Lee is pretty method. I think he can actually call upon life experience to aid him. Well, aid him past tense in the performances. But again, you know, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, um, a plethora of other things on top of his music career that that's going out on that high note. You you'll never talked about, Hey, remember when uh, Christopher Lee was a, a washed up, nobody, you know, Th that part of his career just didn't exist right up until the end. So kudos to him. And geez, if, if we could only emulate what he did, I was also reading on the feed, like before we, we launched today that uh, uh, John hurt, has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So we want to send uh, all the positive vibes out there that he conquers that. John Hurt, of course, we know from Alien as Commander Kane. He's also in the Hellboy universe and Doctor Who uh, within the past uh, couple years and everything. So um, fuck cancer. Fuck it, right? And it's fuck hole. Fuck it in its fuck hole with a rusty chainsaw, no reach around, and no lube. I get nervous because that's just rampant as wildfire in my family and... God knows the way I smoke. It's just a matter of time before we do some kind of uh, crowdfunding thing to pay for my medical bills. Hey, maybe maybe you're keeping it at bay by partaking in the weed since since marijuana does have a lot of health benefits. They do say that even with existing cancer, it, it inhibits any new growth. So, see, I have to partake regularly. It's not that I want to. <laughs> I have to. It, it is, it, yeah. It is literally a matter of life and death. 
So, no, no, I must. Insert bong sound effect right now. That was just so perfect. That just sounded sexual, actually. I got to work on my bong sound effect sound. I mean, I'm a voice actor. I can't really do Foley. And uh, I actually don't I don't smoke myself, so I don't have a bong nearby. Do you? You want to light up and, and give us a sound? I've got my pipe, my ceramic pipe over here, that doesn't give anywhere near the resonance that a uh, water bong does. But I'll give this a shot, and hopefully it won't set my pop filter on fire. Oh, nice. Yeah, see? You can't hear <coughs> anything. I want to know what color your lungs are. I'm only coughing because I tried uh, talking too quickly after taking the hit. But yeah, my lungs are probably like asphalt. I'm looking at our Twitter feed, at BB Broadcast. So we've covered uh, the passing of the legendary Christopher Lee. Uh, Thank you, Phantom Ronin, on Twitter for asking about that. Also wanted to know about a Jurassic World crushing film record books. Did you see Jurassic World? I did not. I was reaching for a soothing beverage after hacking up a lung. I haven't, and, and you know, honestly, I didn't have any interest in seeing it, but man, I'm such a sheep. I'm looking at the records as things break, and I'm like, fuck, I need to be part of the crowd. I gotta go see this and see what all the hype's about. I saw it in 2D. I didn't want to throw out the 3D, because, I mean, I, we have a lot of theaters in our area that do have reserved seats, and that will spoil you, because it's like, if I don't have to stand in line, I'm not going to. Get a reserved seat, show up five minutes before it starts, and it's like, hey, it's my seat. It's cool. Um, so we got there. And um, I have to say, for a sequel, it's pretty solid. Mad Max is still my favorite this year so far. But uh, Jurassic World, it definitely is better than uh, Lost World or Jurassic Park 3, which isn't really saying much, I know. doesn't sound like a glowing endorsement. I'll say that the, the first Jurassic Park is still the best. But um, if you want to have a good time at the movies, you know, Chris Pratt, obviously... Really, really great performance. Uh, awesome to see the dinos. Yeah, you gotta, you know, check your brain at the curb and everything. There's a lot of plot holes. What, what movie like this doesn't have one like that? The Smod Father himself, Kevin Smith, must have totally dug it. He saw it and then he put on Twitter earlier. <clears throat> he took the whole family out tonight to go see it again. There's an endorsement there. What boggles my mind is I'm over at boxofficemojo.com looking at the take on this film and worldwide, $549 million. That's insane. You know, that's over a half a billion dollars in a blink of an eye, breaking tons of records, dethroned Avengers for uh, the, the shit ton of money this thing's taken in. Fastest to 100 million, fastest to 200 million. Ridiculous, ridiculous numbers. And I heard that at least 50% of that box office take was 3D tickets. So you could say, all right, are we adjusting for the economy and all that shit? Does it really stack up against those older numbers? Because every year, ticket prices you know, they go, they skyrocket. I just wonder, and, and this isn't a critique. It's, it's an honest wonder. I wonder why Jurassic World. I wonder why not Avengers? Why not anything else? But people just couldn't wait for this, I guess. It has been a while since Jurassic Park 3. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they made enough money because they obviously made a 2 and 3. You ask yourself, was there much of a demand for this? Now, now, you know, we still got the rest of the year. We still have Force Awakens in December. I personally think that will also set new records. I don't know that it's going to dominate per se. But if it can make like Batman type of money and in one weekend <laughs> if star wars opens and doesn't immediately dethrone jurassic world there's something wrong I-, I would give up on 
anything pop culture at that point. I'll just stay at home and fucking read books by candlelight. Yeah, but you know what? Box office doesn't necessarily correlate to movie quality. There's a lot of movies out there that I thoroughly enjoy that didn't make a, a splash at the box office, like Dread. You know, Dread 3D from a few years ago. It bombed, but it, it kind of found its audience after the fact on, on home video and Blu-ray and, and whatnot. And it, it, to the point where people still want to shop around the idea. It's like, please make a sequel to Dread. Whether Star Wars becomes the number one thing of all time or not, you know, as long as they deliver the goods. You say that, but I think there's a part of you that says, yeah, I hope this thing makes a billion opening weekend. <laughs> well, I, yeah, of course. I hope. I know it'll do good. I mean, even the shitty prequels made a, a fucking lot of cash. You know, I guess sadly enough, even um, the last Raimi Spider-Man film made some decent money. So it, it was an amazing Spider-Man too, that's for sure. They have such confidence in the new Star Wars universe that we have spinoff movies already on the calendar for, for the time in between Star Wars movies. Can you imagine having that? In the late 70s, early 80s, when we were growing up on that? No, because when we were growing up, and, and I'm going to sound horrible here to the younger audience, but we had no fucking clue. You know, kids nowadays are so spoiled where, you know, we know what's going on with, with Disney and Marvel for the next 10 years. I know that's an exaggeration, but it's like six or seven years. When we were growing up, when, when you and I were experiencing Star Wars for the first time before it was called Episode 4, and uh, we totally geeked out on it, we didn't know when the next one was coming out. We didn't know if the next one was coming out and there wasn't really a verifiable word of mouth or anything it wasn't until you got much closer to the production of empire that it started coming out in magazines and maybe if you were lucky you lived in an area where your local news would cover a segment on that at some point at night but we didn't know i kind of like it and i kind of don't like it i kind of don't like it because you you don't know if you're ever going to get to see more of what you just totally dug but i i don't like it because like i said how in peril are certain superheroes when you know they're going to be showing up in films six seven years from now you're going to go see their next hour again and say well nothing can happen to them they're not going to die or anything because they're going to be in whatever part 10 coming out six years from now so you know there's no peril there's no risk there's no emotional attachment to watching these characters on the screen so it kind of to a certain extent hurts with the payoff yeah that's like taking a long-running book series and making them to movies like harry potter it's like oh i i'm never going to feel any uh dread that this character is actually in in any dire straits whatsoever because he has to last for how many more movies how many more books like okay but you know what's great about a series like harry potter is i always liken it to the um restaurant commercials you see where kids eat free well yeah kids eat free because the parents have to pay for something and at least you get them in the door same thing with harry potter i never read the books but my wife did so you know when the movies came out i could drag along whether i liked it or not i had to go then i had to hear the bitching later about how it didn't you know match up to the book but yeah i think you get enough people who get suckered along for the ride where they're just laughing on the way to the bank the biggest thing going on uh, this week, as we record this episode, of course, is E3. You find all the big heavy hitters out there. <laughs> Me and Steve kind of talked before we started recording. It's like, what do you think about all these announcements? And we're all kind of like, meh. <laughs> it's just like a resounding meh. But I know there's there's people out there that are listening to this podcast that are, uh, well, they're hopefully listening to this podcast, that are foaming at the mouth. At the idea of some of these titles, let's let's go over some of this stuff. Like Sony announced the conclusion to the trilogy of Ico and Shadow of the Colossus. A lot of a lot of uh, fans of that cult hit series. The Last Guardian has been announced. You got Street Fighter Five, 
which, uh, you know, ever since four, I've been racing Ryu in. So Capcom, please give me a call. Next March is when you can pick that up. And there's a pre-order beta coming in July. That, I'm pretty excited about that. Final Fantasy VII being remade. That's been rumored for years. And I wonder if they even, if they're, if they're doing this in response to the rumors, wouldn't that be kind of weird sort of, uh, prophetic, uh, irony there? That, that, that fans, you know, that's the reason we have a new DBZ series because the fans won't shut up about it. Oh, there's a new series in development. And so now we go back to Final Fantasy VII when, when, when that series made a splash. And then you even have Shenmue going back to the Dreamcast days has, uh, another sequel that's pretty much, as you're listening to this now, has pretty much been funded on Kickstarter by the time you hear this. That's pretty wild. Do any of these uh, Sony titles grab your attention at all? Well, the funny thing about Shenmue is that Sony's still producing it. Basically, Sony got you to kick in $2 million on their project. So I applaud Sony for that. Um, I don't know why I didn't hear about that until later today. I don't get Final Fantasy. And again, uh, hate mail at BB Broadcast on Twitter. You're, you're not saying, an RPG guy, just like me. We're not into RPGs or MMORPGs or whatever. I'm not. But you know what? Like, I'm into God of War. I totally did God of War, and I'll buy any God of War game, but I haven't paid for the uh, upgraded graphics versions of the games that Sony released a while back. I, I played them. I enjoyed them. It was what it was. I know there's tons and tons and tons of people that love uh, Final Fantasy VII. I don't know why it needs to be re-released for the polished look. I think there were some more important announcements that came out of E3, like Xbox One getting backwards compatibility and kind of rubbing that in Sony's face. Because Sony, as everybody knows, just dropped the mic and walked away last year. They they shamed everybody with, with all their gigantic announcements. Mm-hmm. And then this year, at least Microsoft got to get up and go, yeah, but we're bringing last-gen compatibility to our system. Are you doing that, Sony? And then they get to mic drop and walk away. So Right. And not only that, they're going to continue to develop and release 360 titles because they understand that a lot of fanboys and fangirls out there don't have the cash to pony up for next-gen console. And for those that are on an Xbox One, you're not going to have to pony up and rebuy those games. I mean, that that's huge. I don't have a next-gen console. I have a PS3. I still have a PS2 that I still use. Primarily, it's the PS3. So when titles come out, like Lego Marvel Superheroes, I get them on the PS3. I'm glad that Sony's still releasing on the PS3. When Lego Avengers comes out later this fall, that's also coming out on PS3. I don't know if I'm missing things, you know, in terms of differences. And I don't sadden myself and go seeking that out online to see what the differences are. But... I hope I'm getting close to the same experience people are getting on the PS4. The backwards compatibility thing for Xbox One isn't every single title. It's select ones. They have 100 titles uh, upon the launch of the backwards compatibility. Um, And, of course, as time goes on, more titles will be, you know, and I'm sure it has to do with sales figures and demand and everything, which makes sense. Um, You got, of course... Uh, also in the Microsoft field, you got Halo 5 Guardians, which comes out in October. Uh, the co-creator of Mega Man has a new game called ReCore that's coming out in spring. Uh, here's another cool Xbox feature for Xbox One owners, Game Preview, which will give you early access to games before release. So it's pretty much like you're getting to beta test the games, um, much like the, the PC world gets to do that. Uh, in August, you get the Rare Replay Collection, which includes classics like Perfect Dark, Conquers Bad Fur Day. However, don't get your hopes up that you're going to see GoldenEye or Donkey Kong Country, because Rare created those those ones. That's definitely Nintendo. Can't touch that. 
Um, you got uh, augmented reality Minecraft to, to work with their headset called the HoloLens. Uh, you got Gears 4, which is Gears of War, Part 4, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Uh, all that stuff. Oh, oh, back on the on the on the Sony thing. Uh, PlayStation View. This was the announcement that actually caught my attention. Uh, they're continuing to expand. There's just a handful of markets that their new internet TV service is uh, expanding to. And as of uh, the recording of this episode, we got San Fran and L.A. to where you can pick a la carte cable channels, live TV. Uh, programming uh, tiers start at fifty dollars a month, which is considerably cheaper than a lot of. Uh, a lot of cable, and it's uh, it's going to be giving Sling TV a good run for its money. I actually have that on on PS4, Sling TV running for you know twenty bucks a month. That's just a handful of things like Cartoon Network, AMC, uh, CNN, uh, a few select live TV channels, and and the quality not that good. It's pretty much standard def. So I guess you get what you pay for. Apple though is still rumored to have a similar live channel uh, TV channel service launching soon. They, they were supposedly going to be developing a, a, an actual TV, and then those, those plans were scrapped, um, which probably makes sense. Uh, it, it's interesting to see what all the, these heavy hitters are going to be offering and what will ultimately win in the Internet cable TV war. Apparently, there's another war, too, that really heated up at E3, and that's with this new um, virtual reality tech that everybody seems to be coming out with. I will say, and you and I are both old enough to remember the first very poor attempt at VR and people just thought, forget it. You know, the technology is not there. This, this isn't going to happen. And it seems now more tangible than ever. And I'm very impressed with some of this. I'm not a Minecraft fan, but oh my God, both my kids and my wife are absolutely obsessed with Minecraft. So to see the demonstration of somebody playing Minecraft three dimensionally while wearing the VR goggles, that's impressive as fuck. The, the problem I have, the problem a lot of people who are watching this have is everybody's making their own thing. You don't have that, that cross compatibility. So what are you going to do? Go out and buy five different VR headsets because you want one to work with Steam, one to work with your Nintendo, one to work with your Sony devices. And that's the unfortunate part because it is looking like really tremendous for VR. Yeah, I, I, I have that same exact issue. Like when I tried out the Oculus Rift a couple years ago, it was really, really cool, but it weighs a lot. So when you take it off your head, you feel like this huge sense of relief. And it, it, it's so encompassing that uh, it, it has given some people some you know, slight vertigo or, or things like that when you're riding on roller coaster simulator games or, or whatnot, testing out that sort of thing. So I wonder, has the tech gotten to a point where these things don't have that, that, that bulk that hurts your head after a while where the thing is wrapped so tight around your head that it's going to leave marks on your face and your forehead. There were two titles out of E3 I was excited for. I'll admit that. I don't know if you remember this, a game called Cuphead, and that's by Studio MDHR. And what I love about this game is it's done in the 1930s, very classic animation style, something like out of Max Fleischer's studio. Or looks like, uh, what, like Betty Boop or old Mickey Mouse? Oh, yeah. And it's just, it's beautiful to me, anyway. Artistically, it's beautiful. It seems to be like a run and gun, which I'm okay with. I was worried. Here's a title I heard about a couple years ago, saw very little of it, and I was automatically hooked. And it's like, fuck, you know, it's an indie thing. Is it going to be stuck in development hell? And then we get the official announcement that is coming out by the end of the year on both Xbox and Steam. So that I'm really excited about. But even bigger than that, and I know I'm going to get uh, overwhelming agreement and support for this, 
is uh, Star Wars, the, the new Star Wars game, Battlefront. Five minute of actual gameplay preview that you can watch right now. Oh my god, I had to fucking change my pants and pick my job off, off the floor. I, Battlefront is a is a fun series. But holy shit, does this take things to a whole new level? I'll tell you what it did to me, and this is scary as a huge Star Wars fan, is it made me disappointed with the beginning of Empire Strikes Back. I would watch a whole movie about a battle on Hoth. That was fucking incredible. Totally, yeah. If you guys haven't seen it, Google that. You know, five minutes, Star Wars Battlefront gameplay. You get a little of everything. You're on foot. You're the rebels. You're the Imperial side. You're the, you're, you're, you're in a, in a snow speeders. Snow speeders. Yeah, you're, you're flying around, flying through the, the AT-ATs and all that shit, and it looks amazing. I'm not a big Call of Duty, anything like that, fan, Halo, or whatever, but that, that's like a must-own title. That's something I would buy. And what's what's wonderful, it's all actual game footage. It's not, Nothing's pre-rendered, there's no uh, bullshit CG. Here you go, Here here's the actual game. And for the first time of getting to see something, there, there was no other hype to, for me to build up of from that. So after seeing that, I'm like, fuck, I'm sold. All right, opening day or, or whatever. I'll stand in line, GameStop or wherever, and I will pick that up. It, it's always been an issue in my eyes, the way that video game companies will, will have a launch trailer and whatnot. And it's all the cutscene shit. Of course, it's all beautifully rendered and everything. And then the gameplay doesn't quite match up to it. But this is... Yeah, this this is exactly what I wanted to see. It looks fantastic. If anything, it's going to sell a whole lot more next-gen consoles. I mean, rarely will people say, I don't want to have to, to come up with three or $400 to play this game, but now it's like, here, take my money. Just shut up and take my fucking money. I want to play this really, really bad. I'd watch, like, streaming tournaments of that shit. It just it looks that good. It really does. Yeah, we got people in our chat talking about other titles that E3 caught their interest, like Just Cause 3, Dark Souls 3. Alan S. says, Just Cause 3, more explosions per minute than a Guar concert. That's kind of funny. I have to go on a tangent real quick. I was at a convention called Comic Palooza in Houston recently, and Guar was there, and um, they were walking around. I just thought they were cosplayers. It's like, hey, look, they're cosplaying as Guar. Turns out it was Guar. Go in the bathroom, and next to me is Dave Ellefson, for, formerly of Megadeth. Hey, what's up? And then Rudy Sarzo, who used to be in Quiet Riot. They're in the bathroom all at the same time. Like, hey, what's up? Like, this is surreal. And then you go outside, and then Jeremy Renner's signing autographs. Uh, and then Henry Winkler... The Fonz from Happy Days. Like, what? What? Where am I? I can't even. I literally can't even. Oh, uh, what else happened uh, that we could talk about? Uh, games dropping for Nintendo. I, kn- I know this, you know, yeah, obviously Kingdom Hearts. People love the Kingdom Hearts. Um, I haven't played Kingdom Hearts. It always weirded me out seeing the anime style crossing over with Disney, but apparently it works. Everyone that loves Kingdom Hearts says, dude, it totally works. Come on, Kyle, you're a Tron fan. There's a Tron world in there. It's like, you got to play it. And it hasn't been enough to make me play. But I don't know. I haven't watched any of the footage from the new Kingdom Hearts either. Um, But Nintendo, Star Fox Zero, Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes for 3DS, Fire Emblem Fates. I hope they call me. I don't know if my guy comes back. I voiced Frederick in Fire Emblem Awakening and Validar. And then there's Metroid Prime Federation Force, Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer, Yoshi's Woolly World, and Super Mario Maker. Let's kind of just read what the general pulse was on IGN. That's usually where I go for video game news. And they're just like, Nintendo is cute, it's charming, but nothing really just ground, jaw-dropping, earthquaking, and all that shit. 
So do you think voice actors in general sit around the computers during E3 like sports fans do during the, the drafts and they wait to see what gets announced so they know if, how much work they have coming up? <laughs> I guess that that's kind of an interesting thing, yeah. Especially if you're in a previous version of a franchise, like like I've been Ryu in Street Fighter Four, Cross Tekken, Marvel vs. Capcom Three, and then when I hear there's a star, you know, a Street Fighter Five, I'm like, hey, so when are you gonna call me? <laughs> I have no control over whether they call me, recast, or whatever. That that that's up to fate. But yeah, when you hear games uh, announced, you can just sit there and hope. That it's like, I hope I get to at least audition for this shit, because man, that would be awesome. Yeah, Star Wars Battlefront, like, please, please, can I, can I do something? Gonna be some random stormtrooper? I'll take it. I'm not picky. I feel like you get too happy there, and I just need to throw something at you that will really bum you out. Okay, good. Yeah, let, let's, let's, <laughs> the, the all great balancer of the world, Steve. I want your honest take on Disney's announcement of a Maleficent sequel i'm one of a handful of people that actually thought maleficent was a good movie i liked what they did with it i don't think it deserves a sequel the success of that theatrically of course greenlit live action versions of other disney classics which made a ton of money but the reviews you know yeah they're mixed you know some people like cinderella other think it's a little too by the book now you got a live action beauty and the beast this that and the other when when these start having sequels they don't fare as well you had a live action 101 dalmatians the first one actually got decent reviews then they made a sequel no one fucking gave a shit uh anytime anything makes a little bit of money that's just enough to say let's make a sequel and then they try to jam pack way too much into it and it almost never works once in a while it does but overall it, it it's it's like a not a recipe for disaster, but a recipe for couldn't you use this money to just come up with something else? I mean, with Disney, admittedly, it's all a numbers game. Admittedly, it's going to be so much cheaper, and you have to have a way faster turnaround than traditional animation. the 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 cost and development of doing something animated, and then God forbid something changes in production midstream. We're going to rid out this character or change the ending. You could throw an animated film back years by making simple changes like that and for them to take their already established repertoire it's a churning machine at this point get some actors and actresses together you're probably shooting for two months and then the rest is post you know allow the rinse repeat i'm not saying it's good but at least for them it's smart yeah it's a pretty interesting process like i've i've worked in voice acting for 15 years and getting to work on some major studio movies in the animated world Every few months or so, you're going to get like new dialogue. You got to go back in and re-record, which is great because you get a session fee. And it's like, oh, hey, here's a new another thousand dollars. This is great. And then it comes out in theaters, does well, comes on home video. You make residuals. It's 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 really really awesome. But it's an interesting process to watch as things evolve. And this happens in the video game world too. I worked on uh, Guild Wars two over the course of like three or four years. Every six months, I would come back and I would have brand new. Uh, scripts for my unplayable characters and I would I would fill a four hour session uh, with brand new dialogue and they would augment this change that and I would see like gameplay footage as it was developed which is rare because usually I go in record for a game and that's it I don't see any footage I see nothing I'm told the context and I, I, I see a, a script on the screen and that is it I have nothing to go on uh, when I audition though they'll send me like an artist rendering of the, of the character a little bit about them and all that um, 
it's it's a really interesting process and you know i know a lot of people think that especially as gamers they're like hey you get to play the game first you get to do all that it's like no i don't even get to see the game it, it's 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 being developed at the same time as the recording process is and uh you know same with the movie a lot of people assume that all these celebrities just record together for an animated movie and they don't because they're busy working on new film projects so they got to come in solo the same way that a voice actor would for anime or video games they record all by themselves in a booth um being told what to do with no prep no rehearsal no anything um yeah yeah i mean i love it i geek out over the fact that i get to do this um but um yeah but back to the original question maleficent yeah i liked it i liked it as a flick but i don't think it deserves a sequel i don't think it's gonna it wouldn't do as well um I don't know how much money Maleficent made in comparison to Tron, which they recently supposedly scrapped Tron 3 because Tomorrowland didn't make any mo- money or enough money, which I think is really back-ass word logic, but that's just my opinion. I didn't see Tomorrowland, so I'm, I'm part of the problem. I'm certainly not part of the solution. But I'll say like the last few trailers I saw intrigued me. I, I'll probably check it out on, on home video. Neil Gaiman is one of my favorite uh, authors. He wrote Sandman, which is my favorite comic book of all time for DC and Vertigo in the 90s, early 2000s. Um, Stars has picked up his American Gods fantasy novel as a TV series for 2016. Uh, for those who have no idea what American Gods is... Um, the plot um, has a war brewing between old and new gods, traditional gods of biblical and mythological roots from around the world, steadily losing believers to an upstart pantheon of gods reflecting society's modern love of money, technology, media, celebrity, and drugs. Uh, its protagonist, Shadow Moon, is an ex-con who becomes a bodyguard and traveling partner to Mr. Wednesday, a con man, but in reality one of the older gods, on a cross-country mission to gather his forces in preparation to battle the new deities. I think that sounds like an awesome potential for a series. Sure. <laughs> if we can keep up a series. It's so hard, again, in this ADD uh, video-on-demand lifestyle that we all share. It's getting harder and harder to follow series. You know, something like Stars. I hadn't even thought about this, but but their success of, like, the Spartacus series, you know, that, that they could have something that, that had some money behind it and some budget to for... for 300 style effects and whatnot and it it made big enough of a splash that we can now see some more genre specific things uh on other avenues so stars yeah it's a cable channel so um your mileage will vary in terms of finding it on the internet as as everyone does yeah having an hour-long series you know commercial free uh, having no restrictions on censorship, so you can get it the way you want it unlike uh you know the uphill battle of of network shows you know, falling in love with a network show that that's not loved, like Constantine, God damn it, which I fucking love, and we couldn't save it, and they shopped it around, and no one wanted it. It's like, come on, come on, guys. But you take something like Neil Gaiman, who has had success through the years in in Hollywood with Coraline, um, and uh, and to a smaller degree, Beowulf. He wrote the screenplay for for that CG movie that Robert Zemeckis directed. Why aren't people kickstarting the fuck out of this shit? You know, um, I've heard the same thing for years from the brown coats, and it's like, if you want it bad enough, I don't know why people just don't 
set up a campaign, you know? <laughs> that much demand for it. I don't know who in power could actually pull that off. Like, who wants to spearhead that movement that, that, that doesn't have a position of power? It's one thing on Kickstarters when you have, like, indie filmmakers like Zach Braff who can get, you know, a two or three million dollar movie funded in less than a month. That's one thing. And, and then you have, like we were talking about, Shenmue getting, you know, practically funded overnight. <laughs> I know the demand is there, but I wonder who especially when something is owned like the you know you said you mentioned the brown coats okay so fox i guess has the rights even though they're the ones that canceled firefly they made the greenlit serenity they eventually made money on it but um you know for whatever reason you know you got uh, nathan fillion doing castle alan tudyk doing theaters and uh and occasional different movies the cast is all over the place that's what i wonder is logistically who would spearhead who would be the go-between between hollywood and the fans well i mean that's the thing because you'd probably be talking about an outlet like netflix at that point it certainly wouldn't be on a big studio like fox i mean because that would kind of be like pandering that's kind of my issue with shenmue to find out that you know this is still a sony project and they, they get you to come up with $2 million in seed money. I have to look at the details more, but there's something that doesn't sit too right with me about that. Well, when you, when you see something like the Marvel TV universe expanding like it is going to on Netflix, who approached who in that, in that venue? Marvel certainly doesn't need to prove themselves. Not when they have a network. Disney's get ABC, so, I mean, why not just pump all this shit on ABC? Well, that's true, because no matter what the ratings are, they could continue. Just like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't the highest-rated TV show of all time, but they went ahead and greenlit Season 2, despite, you know, up-and-down roller coaster type ratings. I think there's way more potential now in, in the Netflix of the world. The stars, the Amazons, all the... Hell, even YouTube. I mean, when you, when you have... Average Joe Q citizens making a living with on-demand content. Box office between Maleficent and Tron Legacy. Tron Legacy, kind of embarrassing with a $400 million worldwide box office take when compared to Maleficent, which took in $758 million. Okay, when compared especially to Jurassic World in one weekend. <laughs> right. There's, there's also that. So you know what that means? That means more dinosaurs in the future, guaranteed. Oh, yeah. People are going to get really fucking sick. They're probably going to green light a, a Jurassic Park World uh, TV series or something. Just you wait. I want to see somebody pitch force-wielding dinosaurs with capes and just watch that take off. Well, there was a game that was announced for, um, it's called Zero Dawn, announced for Sony. It's like post-apocalyptic mech dino bow hunting. Does that catch your eyes at all? <laughs> a, a little bit. I kind of I had to do my eyebrow thing over here. So, you know, I'm looking in the chat, and, and it brings up, again, an interesting question. People are really elated that Netflix is doing uh, season two for Daredevil. If they weren't planning on doing it, and if somebody set up a, a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter for it, you think people would pay for that? I'm pretty sure people would. I mean, I think it's funny because, you know, you have networks, quote unquote, like Netflix, who, if they know they have something big like that, they don't even have to put any risk into it. You can just keep going to all these crowdsourcing sites and go, hey, if, if you want us to make this, show us you want us to make this and give us the money for it. You wouldn't even have to, you know, have any seed money to begin with. I'm trying to remember when someone was trying to, to do a, a crowdfunding type venture to, to get... Uh, Firefly to be an internet-only type series, and it got squashed. I think Fox pulled the plug on it or something, which was um, an interesting 
sort of scenario. It's like, all right, that, that's why I wonder, like, if if the corporate major corporation like Fox has something that you know, and and they hold on to the rights, and like, why are they holding on to the rights so badly when they know they could make money with it? Not not you know, not Jurassic World money. But it's kind of annoying that you're you're held at bay like that. I'm just geeking on the fact that we live in a world where you can say, not Jurassic World money. Who saw that coming? I'm still hung up on that. Hey, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what other thing not a lot of people saw coming. I don't know if you caught this in the Twitterverse, but apparently the DC Universe has another couple going on, and it's not what a lot of people may have anticipated. But apparently uh, Harley Quinn... And Poison Ivy, they're, they're a thing. They're, they're a thing like friends with benefits, if you want to say. Really? In the fan world of fan art, you certainly see that going on. This is kind of canon. This is a Twitter conversation on the official uh, DC Comics Twitter feed going on between uh, Jimmy Palmiotti mm-hmm. and Connor. Um, they're, they're writing the, the Harley Quinn series, and they're saying, yeah, you know, they're, they're girlfriends without the jealous jealousy of monogamy, is one of the quotes. I'll tell you what, it legitimizes a lot of the fanfics out there. But if it's canon, is that gonna, is that gonna cross over into the cinematic world, too? We're we gonna see little hints of that in Suicide Squad? That'd be hot. They'd have my ticket a few times over. If my they... girlfriend's crossing her fingers for that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I wanna see Poison Ivy and, and Harley Quinn, like, um, yeah. <laughs> Just have to be over the top, you know, maybe a little makeout session or something. That, a makeout I mean, session. Doesn't have to be full on porn. No, no. We little... wouldn't say no to that either, I'm sure. No. <laughs> Although, from what I understand, there's been a little bit of outcry, you know, because people can't believe how revealing her costume is in Suicide Squad. And, eh, you gotta give people a reason to go see that movie because there aren't many, I guess. Or maybe, maybe there will be. I don't know. It's an ensemble thing. I don't know how much, you know, all those characters really play into it. It's a team effort, which still makes me go, like, how? I guess Will Smith's hurting. It's like, normally he would not sign on to something where he's not top dog. He's had, like, what, two bombs in a row? It was kind of surprising to see him not come back for Independence Day 2 with essentially the entire cast returning except for him. Yeah, you know, and I know Independence Day is beloved by many folks. I'm not one of them. (laughs) I liked his character, but boy. A couple months from now, we'll talk about, geez, you know, making Independence Two Day kind of money. Well, I know that there's a demand for that. People will go see it. Hell, I'll go see it. But um, I, I, my, my expectation level is way lower now. As it probably kind of should be. Yeah, it's not based on whether or not Will Smith's in it. I mean, I'm looking at it from a story perspective. Yeah, I, I kind of put it on par with, like, Mars Attacks. You gotta, you gotta shut that brain off before you sit down and start watching that. Dude, if you shut your brain off at Mars Attacks, you will have a blast. God, I love that. That was the first DVD I ever bought. When the first DVD players came out in, like, 97, I bought it, and I think I still have it, too, in its original case. That was great. That's kind of like the definition of a popcorn flick, something on par, like, with Pacific Rim. If you think about it, you're fucked. But if you can go in and just enjoy the shit out of it, absolutely. I'm still waiting for a confirmation on when the fuck that's going to start filming Pacific Rim 2. I know it's going to come, and uh, I can't wait enough for it. My girlfriend's like, this movie's stupid. I said, the acting style, it's supposed to be like that. It's like, but you've got all these really good actors. I think I think they got duped. It's like, no, they didn't get duped. They signed on for the script. They read the script, and Guillermo del Toro told them what they were in for. It's like, this is an homage to old school giant monster movies. 
it's anything to be upset about. I'm pretty sure that every single member of that cast would be beloved at any convention they choose to attend. And I'm not saying it's probably something you want highlighted on your resume, but uh, she she just clarified to me that um, it's actually just the ending. She thought that oh, spoiler alert, that the two main characters should kiss, and then they didn't. So that that nullifies the awesomeness of the movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, but the the, the facts, the, the battles, the kaiju, the the what? Like, they didn't kiss. That was stupid. I mean, I get it, but I I in no way, shape, or form can agree. Oh, I'm dragging her ass to see the sequel with me. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, okay, they might kiss. Yeah, I said if there's gonna be a sequel, maybe they'll develop some chemistry that way. But in that movie, it's all about teamwork. Damn it! Is it? I thought it was just about kicking ass and giant robots. Exactly. And honestly, it would make me even more happy, since it's from Legendary Pictures, if they have Godzilla, the 2014 Godzilla, and Pacific Rim, have them team up against the kaiju. Honestly, I I would settle for the lowest expectations as long as uh, Ron Perlman's back in it some way, somehow. Well, yeah, Ron Perlman can make anything pretty awesome. I mean, you could watch a shitty movie and go, hell, Ron Perlman's part was awesome. He's back at it again saying he wants to do Hellboy 3. He's. I love that he put, went on his own Twitter and said, hey, let's make this happen. Hashtag Hellboy 3 or, or whatever. And he's just like blunt with F-bombs and everything. It's like, let's make this fucker happen. Well, I mean, let's be honest. That's exactly what happened with Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool. If it wasn't for the, the fan base just really, really coming to support that, that film probably wouldn't have gotten made. It's unfortunate because I don't know this is the first time Perlman's really brought it up and there doesn't seem to be the kind of drive like with uh, Deadpool. Yeah, I mean, I know Hellboy is, is more of a cult following sort of thing, but it did well enough to greenlight, what, three direct-to-video animated movies? Yeah, but I mean, you can't really even put those on par with the two live-action films. No, not really. But I'm glad that they happened. You know what I'm glad that isn't happening is Spawn. I'm glad we're not hearing about that because McFarlane was out there not so long ago. Oh, I'm at the Spawn film. Uh, yeah, that didn't work out too well the first time. And it's so irrelevant nowadays. I don't want more Spawn. That's about as irrelevant as Glenn Danzig's Verotic uh, comic book line. Remember that in the 90s? If anybody listening wants to buy a mint bagged and boarded Spawn number one, contact me. What's that worth? Uh, like one um, junior mint, maybe? You know, it's sad because I don't even think you could get cover price for that. And, and back then in the 90s, it was probably buck and a quarter. Sadly, I still have some long boxes in storage um, that have just whole runs of like chromium covers and bagged uh, Death of Supermans and all that. It's going to be worth money someday. I'm going to be able to put my kid through college. I have things that I thought were going to be worth money when uh, X-Men was doing the hologram covers. I have two of the holograms that were never attached to books. They're right from the factory that was cranking those fuckers out. It's a bookmark now because nobody gives a fuck about that stuff. Alright, well, hey, I'm spent. My screen is thoroughly covered. That sounds like after you're looking at porn, my screen is thoroughly covered. (laughs) You said you were spent and I was like, yeah, (laughs) me too. Robert J in our chat says he'll take my comics off my hands. I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you. You want to pay for shipping? There's some shit I'm holding on to, like the Neil Gaiman signed Sandman run. Whole collection, first 
two runs, I think, Star Wars Episode One action figures. If anybody wants to pay the shipping for that, you can seriously contact me about that. Dude, I made Goodwill happy when I was, like, decluttering my apartment. Tons of Episode One, Two, and Three figures that are worth absolutely nothing. I paid so much for some rare variants on eBay. I'm so disgusted with myself. 30, 40 bucks a figure. Yeah, I would have bought a tank of gas, maybe. On that morbid note. Bills suck. We want to thank uh, everyone for checking out the Big Ball broadcast here on Kevin Smith's awesome Smodcast Network. Uh, thanks to Awesome She-Wolf, Cocaine and Horrors, Rad Chad, Robert J, Alan S, Sigmund88, and all of you guys. Remember that you can join the chat room as well when we do our live audio stream on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. If there's anything that you want us to discuss, you can come in the chat room and tell us live so we can see it as it's going on, or you can drop by our Twitter at BB Broadcast. Give us our feedback. We thrive on that. Comments, questions, suggestions, criticisms, whatever. We we love to hear it. And if you're uh, really, really social media shy, the big ball broadcast at gmail.com. We will uh we will check that account. We haven't in a while because there's never anything there. But hopefully our listener base will expand and you guys will be like Here's a courtesy, um, here's, here's a pity email. Thank you. Thank you for giving us that. I'd take pity email. Sure. Oh, Alan S. says we should check the email. It's a legit email. Okay, now we're gonna, now we're gonna check it. I guess we should have checked it before. Oh, he probably has like the world's greatest question that we could, we could spin off another 20 minutes on. But there's always next week. Or premium content. All right. That's all the time we have, boys and girls. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, this is Kyle Bear, And this is Otherworld Steve. See ya! Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.